0: Welcome to episode number five of the series, Emerging Adults with Mental Illness. So far, we've heard from two emerging adults and one parent, Emica, Erica, and Annie. As we expand the circle around them, I wanted to hear from a high school teacher. I could have included a counselor or administrator, but when I listened to my dear friend, teacher, and previous guest Matt Neal speak about the ambassadors program he sponsors, I knew this was righteous. Having already interviewed 16 people for the series, I often feel hopeless. What a mess we're in! Everything seems reactive. To an inadequate, fractured, Byzantine, national mental health unsystem, Reactive by needful, helpful participants worn down beating their heads against walls. Reactive, not preventative. Matt offers a hopeful story. He's not focused on mental health per se, but on belonging and inclusion in a typical lonely time, high school. Other than with family, emerging adults spend most time in school. Here we go. Enjoy, and thanks for joining me. The podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two legged cisgender old white man of privilege who knows a little bit about a lot of healthcare and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of healthcare. Let's make some sense of all of this. Thanks for joining me. Danny, great to be here. When did you first realize health was fragile?
1: my my mother-in-law had cancer and my wife took care of her how challenging that was with her being a caregiver and and she went to stay with her in Ohio for a while and then her passing and then also like my father-in-law who was at the time seemed to be super healthy he was doing burpees in my living room one week and then the next week he was gone and those moments were just brutal. And I think also my grandfather having heart disease and getting cancer and just his goals with that when I was younger, I really realized that too, because he wasn't, um, he wasn't that old in my mind at that time. And still, he was a younger guy when he got sick. And I think it's just when you realize when you have loved ones who... That happens too. It really makes you realize that how important it is.
0: Yeah. In high school, there's health class, right? And so do they ever talk about this kind of stuff in those health classes?
1: I'm probably the wrong guy to ask that question because I'm a social studies teacher primarily, but I'm buddies with physical education teachers who primarily teach health.
0: Okay. So um, it's through physical education. Yeah. I
1: would say that's probably the number one way in a high school it's being addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, let me give you the 30 second version, which is I think every state and every school district is totally different and that it depends on what it almost always depends on, which is do you have. A good teacher in that position and do you have good curriculum that they're supposed to be teaching mm-hmm. uh, so I do you think there's this thing i like to call a new age or new wave physical education teacher who focuses more on health and more on a holistic approach to health and less on get on the line we're going to climb the ropes uh-huh. <laughs> like when you think of a physical education teacher and i'm dear friends with a few of those and they are doing that good work
0: Yeah. Okay. So the reason that I wanted to talk to you is you've mentioned many times about your sort of the club you have where you welcome new students. Yes. And I, I that just fascinates me. And I wonder if you could tell us about that.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm glad it fascinates you. And I'd love to tell you about it. I have... A group of kids at our school. They're called the Ambassadors. And that group is, it is, it's hard to define because they're like a club, but they're also a group of students who is running a school program. And in our school, when you talk about clubs, oftentimes you're talking, I also have like the table tennis club. There's all these things like this. But this group is running our new student program. And about, What was it? About six years ago, our principal came to me and said, hey, we have this population of students in our school that are being, I think they're being missed. I think that they are lonely and being dropped into our school community with, even though we're all very well-meaning and everything, they're not being supported. Will you do this? And I think he thought he was going to come to me and I was going to go. But I just looked at him and I said, I would love to do that work. And that first year, our focus was, we were about halfway through the year when he talked to me about it, but our focus was no one eats alone. And we made sure that everyone in the cafeteria who wanted to sit with someone else had friends to sit with. And there's a difference between putting someone at a table and actually sitting together, Mm -hmm. right? Totally. Uh, So we, a group of of these students and basically me and a small group of students, we worked together to make sure those kids were had some friends. And we had a lot of success that first year, but it was very scrambly. It was me running around on my lunch, and it wasn't going to work. So I went to my principal and said, hey, this isn't sustainable. We need a time to meet. Let's get this together. Let's get it going. And in the past, there was a program that was doing this, but it was more run by the school counselors, and it was an extra thing for them to do. And so because of that, it was more like maybe you get a call to a kid, hey, give a kid a tour, then they're on their own. But our group takes a much more heart-centered approach, and we take a more wraparound, full, we just want to scoop these kids up and bring them on board. Where we are now is a group of, we have 78 current members. Every student in that group is teacher-recommended for their ability to work with others, their kindness, their heart, and their willingness to improve the lives of others. And that group, usually when a new student comes in, gets a tour of the building. That's a detailed tour as well as the opportunity to connect with people around. They get somebody to eat lunch with, and they get a check-in at the end of the day. And there's three points of contact as opposed to no points of contact before make the student feel welcomed into our school community. And then the goal is to have that student remain as a contact and a first friend for those students in our building, in our school community.
0: So define new student.
1: So a new student is anyone. So what you traditionally think of as a new student is someone doesn't live here and then they moved into town and they're starting new. That's your basic, what you think of. It also can be students re-entering if they were in a different placement, if they're moving back. That happens way more than I think people realize. I think it's kids going between different parents or people change their mind. They think they're going to move away. They move back for whatever reason. Sometimes it can be a student coming back from, they've been online, online for a long time, even in the district, but they've just been away. And so they need that help. And then we've also this year, made the big switch to consider every ninth grader coming into our building a new student. So they get a little bit of a different experience, uh, mm-hmm. but the goal is to provide them with support as well because we have 200 plus of them every year and they're brand new to the building even if they aren't brand new to the district.
0: I was talking to somebody last week and this was a a young man who had some real challenges physically and mentally and ended up in the hospital for quite a while. And really, after a really difficult experience, their rehab was relearning to do almost everything. Yeah. And he said the hardest part, was going back to school. He had to learn to talk. He had to learn to walk. He had to learn to relate to his family, extended family. But he said it, it all paled to going to school because he had been in school before, but he was really a different person from all this experience. He felt like a new student because he wasn't the same person and he really didn't want to hang out with the people he knew before. And he had missed six months. And so it really made me think about your program. Because would he be considered a new student?
1: Yes. If When he re-enrolled, our school counselors identified the things that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a really good opportunity to say, having people who are caring, awesome human beings in positions when they work with kids really matters because that student would sit with the school counselor and say, hey, here's what's going on. And they would say, I think you should be getting an ambassador Mm
2: -hmm. as of
1: this situation. And we do that with students who are re-entering. And you saying that really helps me because I'm going to flag that as a, I have a list of things and also just talking with counselors, here are the things that qualify. And I'm going to add, how would you say, how would you describe that kind of a student? Would it be a chronic ill someone coming with a chronic illness or a life? I
0: think it could be like- chronic or acute because it would range it's like some kind of crisis that led to an extended extended meaning i broke my leg and i was out for a week this was i was out for a while and so that could be somebody who had a serious accident um or you had some kind of breakdown or crisis in their life. It's great. So much in in my work of people managing these kinds of crises, whether they're c- acute or chronic, is it's terribly lonely. And And often we think about treatment. And it, I think the thing that I first heard you talk about this program, I thought this is the first like preventative program. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I imagine I, I'm totally making this up, but i imagine Make it out. <laughs> that some somewhere between 5 and 80% of further deterioration can be prevented by having a table to sit at for lunch yeah i remember in Oh, man, I was, I don't know, 18, and I got this job at a Catholic hospital in the laundry room, and a friend of mine got me this job, Kathy, and one of the things that I noticed on my, like, first, like, week on the job is there were, like, tables of doctors, there were tables of nurses, there were tables of housekeepers, and then there was Kathy's table, and it was just the most eclectic group of people. It was like people wanted to sit at Kathy's table because it was so diverse. And at that time, my idea of diversity was doctors and nurses and housekeepers and laundry guys. Oh. And,
1: you know, Class. Yeah,
0: it was. and. It was just fun. And it made the job. So then I'm I'm getting dirty laundry. This was the time when it was throw the laundry down the chute. When I was the guy that emptied the chute and whatever. You're walking around the place and people, Mm -hmm. whether they're a doctor or nurse, and I don't know what these people are. Everybody's wearing scrubs. Mm -hmm. And it was. Just made like this horrible job of dirty laundry, like really fun.
1: You're on the team. You're part of the. I crew. was
0: part of the team, right?
1: And, I could and- see you lighting up just talking about it right now. You're just remembering it. It's this really fun thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I agree completely with you. I'm. Boy, that makes me reflect just a little bit on my own lunches the last few years with the pandemic, being eating by myself most of the time. That <laughs> right. I'm really missing. I'm really missing that as well. That's wild. Yeah, I will tell you that the work we do when we are successful, we're mostly invisible, right? So you don't have the kidding. I do think you're saying preventative. Right? That preventative aspect. You head stuff off at the pass and that kid is doing really well. And so none of the normal alarms trip that would say Mm -hmm. this kid needs an intervention. Now we do stuff like that as well. When the student is really needing some extra support, but I just think that what you're saying about, I don't know what it is. It's the human connection thing. It's the, yeah. Being more than just your role, but being a person and. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how a lot of kids feel about high school too and about school in general is they feel like a number and they feel like they're being processed. Yeah. So when you put them, you say, hey, we're so happy you're here. It literally is that every student that comes into the building gets brought to me too, because the idea that our principal had was that they should have one adult who welcomes them, who sees every new student, who gets that kind of almost institutional knowledge that Here's the whole population. Man, what a gift. It, it is. Because then you see those kids in situations where, you know, at the water fountain and you say, hey, how's it going? I remember you from, and it's like, yeah. And I'm doing great. And usually it's that. Sometimes it's not, but right. oftentimes you get that. How's it really going here? And sometimes you can dig a little bit more, but I just really believe what you were saying, watching you light up like that. And how many years ago was that?
0: Oh. I'm 70 and I was probably 17.
1: And you right. still are lighting up like about it. Cause it is my, when I think about my lunch. Yeah, crew,
0: I only worked there like eight months.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> when I think about my lunch crew from a decade ago at my previous school, mm. or I think about my lunch crew here at my current school before I started eating by myself, I smile. you definitely feel like you're part of the crew.
0: Now a word about our sponsor, Abridge. Record your healthcare conversations with doctors and other clinicians with Abridge. Push the big pink button and record. Read the transcripts or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Let me know how it went. How do the ambassadors like help each other out or even They age out of school. And so you're constantly needing a pipeline of ambassadors. And I imagine that some of the work of being an ambassador is just a hoot and it self-motivates and self-drives. And then I think there's probably some significant challenges um, Mm -hmm. because some of us are just odd odd ducks Mm -hmm. and and sometimes odd ducks are challenging.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, I feel like that's three questions, but I love all of them. So I'll answer (laughs) them all. That's great. So the first thing you said is how do they help each other? We started out with, Hey, here is your new student. You are—they there, your responsibility. And then we realized along the way that what, The problem with that, there's several problems with that. One, if the relationship doesn't work for whatever reason, you have someone who clashes, there's no, what do you do? And then the second thing is you have no one who really has that context to be able to talk and work together to help. So we started assigning two ambassadors to every new student. So when they're giving a tour, they have a partner. When they're eating lunch, we can't Uh always get it with lunch, but usually then that that doubles the chances that they'll have lunch with them as well. Uh And so they work together every, every new student who comes in throughout the year gets two ambassadors and their teammates that support each other. And that was one of the first things that I realized when I started the group was the group had to have an identity Right the group. We, I needed to spend time building culture and mm-hmm. training, training those kids. And it couldn't just be a one-off training of here's how you give a tour, yada, yada, yada and you're done. It has to be both transmitting values and sharing values and also sharing how we do things. This is people like us do things like this, right? A lot mm-hmm. of that. Right. So that kind of addresses your second question, too, which is the aging out. One of the things I love about the group, it's the biggest challenge running the group. And it's also one of our biggest, which is a lot of other groups in the school, for better or for worse. Are made up of similar types of kids, and you know the simplest explain club. Yeah, the simplest thing would be the chess club and the baseball club, or a different right. group of people. Sometimes there's a little overlap, but not a lot. But this group, we intentionally—it's to me the biggest challenge when you're putting the group together—is trying to make it as diverse as possible. And by diverse, I do mean racial diversity, gender diversity, uh, religion all of those things we traditionally think of diversity, but we also, the different types of kids, like the drama kids, the nerdy kids, the, and I mean that in the best way, the athletes, all sorts of kids, because then you have more kids to pull from to connect with, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So, So that group comes in in 10th grade, and I have them for three years, which is super cool. because. The really? Senior. Yeah, the seniors mentor juniors and juniors mentor sophomores and vice versa. And what's nice is like my leadership team running the group now are seniors and juniors who I've had for two, three, or four years. And so they've grown. So right. it's this tremendous. The goal is to have it be so that first year it was not student run. It was me running around being like, We gotta help this kid, this. And as time has gone on, I've tried to put as much of the decision-making of the running of the day-to-day group of everything with the kids. So when a new student starts, the school counselor will email us. Usually, sometimes it's a phone call. And that email goes to me and my officers. And the officers then select our ambassadors to match up, arrange it, and get them there. They do that whole thing. So that, that they begin the process. Then they get the tour. Then afterwards, those two who work together have a little sheet, they fill out like how to go. And then that same group, a small group follows up with them to see how. So that's a thing. So I would say to answer your challenge question, like them aging out, it's a great mentorship opportunity for me with those kids, which I just relish.
0: And I assume that all right away, even with the ninth graders, as they're meeting them, they're like flagging kids. Ah, this person is, is ambassador material so that the pipeline is primed.
1: Yes. And I've taught ninth grade for 16 years. It's one of the reasons I've continued to do it is you're able to see kids really grow because you know them when they're 14 and you know them when they're 18 and you see that growth. And I, my current president I think I knew on day two or three of her being in my class in civics class. Oh, this she's one of, she's one of us. Yeah, and it was because she was just helping everyone around her without. She I was just like trying to. I'm looking over and she's helped three people, and I haven't even asked her to do that. And I'm like, oh, you're one of us. That's (laughs) that's a good thing. And I have a couple this year too where I'm like, oh, this one and that one. That's a really that's a good point, Danny. And then the challenge you said, the significant, some of them can, for whatever reason, there's a lot, some kids don't want help, or at least they have a rough exterior. And to me, that's a lot of the art of it is understanding with teenagers, they don't, they quote unquote, don't want to bother them. So that working with them on the difference between being too persistent and being in the kid's face too much and being too laissez faire, right? Usually the kid's. If they said, oh, I don't need any help, they go, oh, okay. They take that very literally, and there is no like second or third attempt. And I say, hey, most of these kids think that you're fake friends. So you have to overcome that. No, we actually do want to be your friend, and it's hard to do. And so I think that's – I had a, our current treasurer, who's a serious athlete dude, nice kid. I think he's a state qualifying pole vaulter. He is someone who, if you're picturing a stereotype of like big man on campus, he would be if you described him and the kid has a heart of gold and yeah. cares about others. And it's just this awesome human being. Right. He shared a story last year in a big meeting. We were in the auditorium with everyone. And he said, I think I failed. So for him to admit that, he said, my new student got into a fight uh, and everyone couldn't believe that this is what him, but this is him sharing out with a big group. And that moment changed our whole year because everyone realized then so said, what happened? Tell us about it. And he started telling about the story and, and here he had done everything. Here's what I tried. Here's what didn't work. But the kid, But you can't, there's no saving. There's only helping. And the kid chose to get into a fight and he can't keep him out of a fight. And so that was a great lesson for him. The humility was incredible. And it just really, so when you have this serious athlete, this popular kid sharing this out, here's my failure. Here's, I feel like I failed. The brand new 10th graders who were in different cliques of students or whatever, who are ambassadors go, he's having this issue. And so, by sharing that, it's okay to say, "Hey, this didn't go well." How? And he was asking for help, and they supported him.
0: Oh, gives me goosebumps.
1: Oh, uh, me too. I oh, yeah. tell that story way too much, and he like, "Stop telling that story." He'll he <laughs> he does. Let, he, I have permission to share that, but he yeah. says it's like, ah, oh, all I did was be honest. I said, but that honesty is what gets oh, us somewhere. It's
0: huge. Yeah. Okay what should we have talked about that we haven't related to this?
1: I love this question. I'm totally stealing this question from you, by the way. (laughs) I, I really think I'd want to, I want to ask you a question at some point, but I want to save that for a minute. Okay. The, I think there is a real misunderstanding of how we should be running all of our organizations, but especially our schools which is we are very focused on the results of standardized tests and standardizing everything. And that standardization is the goal because we want to achieve good outcomes for kids. So we want to standardize certain things and there's a place for it for sure. But I truly believe that we have made a huge mistake in the direction we have taken with education, where we have focused on How can we make these kids fit into the system? Or even if we are adjusting for the kids, it's all about driving those um, metrics and very focused on a lot of buzzwords in education is like the data or the does the data support this or whatever. And I have seen the data be supported for a lot of different things. A lot of what we already do a lot of what we, not saying this, we already know what to do. <laughs> so we need to be, we need to be doing that. And a big part of that to me is the social health of these young people. Mm-hmm. And, and if they are more socially, I have seen in my time teaching that the social health of most of, most, if not all young people is much worse than it was before. And we have seen that correlate with worse outcomes whether you want to talk about attendance, grade, risky behaviors, whatever you want to say, if you feel like you're a part of your community, you treat every moment there differently. Yeah. And we need to be focusing on that. And I don't know if you want to call it culture or social health or whatever you want to do, but the kids are happier and the adults are happier in the building. The teachers are happy. Everyone does better when you focus on the social health and people talk about social emotional learning and it is that but really to me it is this place for me is this my is this a place i can feel safe is this a place i can learn and that doesn't mean you're not challenged because i think that's another thing a safe space is people do but what it means is, is this place for me do i belong here do people Mm -hmm. see me and i think we need to be spending a lot more time on that yeah
0: the episode that I put out today was I had gone to a conference with about almost a hundred people who are patient advocates. Mm. And I interviewed 26 of them. And I asked three questions. And one of the questions was, how do you recognize success in your advocacy? And the two things that they that I heard often was I'm not alone. Maybe it's three things. I'm not alone. I belong and there's hope. And and it's profound. It's yeah. so simple. And as you said, you don't need a study no. to know that those are really important. Yes. yes. I don't care what the evidence shows. We know it's, aren't religions based on this stuff?
1: <laughs> there is, there I mean, are probably and are uh, a ton of studies around this type of stuff, but that, but we get so focused on, we get so focused on, look at, let's look at the data, let's do this let's look at the people in front of us yeah, and let's listen to the people in front of us. There, there's the evidence there, which is you, I have kids telling me that they feel lonely. I have kids telling me that they're stressed, that they're have a ton of anxiety and that, and then when we put some of these things into place, I see thriving children. Yeah. And so you want to do more. And to me, that's that one of the ties to healthcare is I'm, I think all the time about, I know, you always one of the things that, and I'm I'm sorry if I'm saying this wrong, but saying you're like the captain of your healthcare.
0: team. Yes, I don't right. know if
1: this the captain the, if this is the right word.
0: No, I've said the CEO, but it doesn't matter. The, yeah, the CEO but, of your health. Right. Yeah,
1: and I have felt when I've had healthcare, small things going on in my life that you're on your own so much.
0: Yeah,
1: and it that is one of the one of the hardest things, and so. I do think across disciplines here, we should start to build the capacity and the understanding that this is the thing. Doesn't mean other things aren't also important, but to me, this is the foundation. The people being in a community rather than just being individuals alone. It's individuals together, not individuals alone.
0: Yeah. You wanted to ask me something?
1: Yeah, I wanted to say what so you I know you told me a little bit about how this kind of came up for you and it was sticking out to you two two questions really it's like a two-parter. One is <clears throat> how how do you think based on your experiences, I know you've talked to a lot of young people who have different challenges going on, what are some things that we could do to help those young people? Especially when they're coming into school.
0: Oh, gosh. I think you're doing it. I talk to people, it sort of skews towards people who have so many issues to deal with. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that it's more than everybody else or more than a lot of people because your issues are your issues and comparing, I don't know, comparing to, I don't know what value that has, but I think that the things that we've been talking about, the, the belonging, The recognition, a feeling, I'm going to, something positive might happen in this day that there's so many of. So I, I don't know that I have anything to add. I think it's, I think it's amazing. Thank you. It's so right. and. I feel like it's like Kathy's table. It's. It is. Yeah.
1: So can I, that's helpful. What you just said helps a ton already. And then this is, I'm just asking a follow-up here. So I'm going to see 21 young people on Monday. It's Sunday now. We're probably putting this out a different day. Sorry if I messed you up, but it's a, a, no a Monday, worries. I'm no gonna,
0: worries. It'll be a while.
1: It'll Just be a while. Ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to see them on Monday. I'm going to see <clears throat> it's going to be seven 20 in the morning. They're going to be sleepy teenagers waking mm-hmm. up. It, the ages are going to be 15 to 18. Mm-hmm. Um, And those young people, I'm going to be starting the day. And if I wanted, Hey, I talked to Danny health hats about this. I, I, on, I was on his podcast. We were talking about these different things. If there is one thing you wanted me to share with them, and I will share it with them, what would that be?
0: This is such honorable work, what they're doing. It is life-critical. Life It has impact for a lifetime. I think I've shared this with you before. My son is a first-grade teacher. And one of the things that he does is he greets everybody, all the kids, when they come in, I'm so glad you're here. We're going to have a good day. And then he shakes their hand on the way out. We had a good day. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Yes. And these are some troubled kids. They're, they come from some rough experiences. And I just got the feeling that this might have been the most respect they've ever gotten. Yes. And I think the ripple effect lasts a lifetime. And so, and it isn't just for the, the ambassadors, it's for them too, Mm -hmm. how easy it is. This is power. This is some really impressive power. It's the power of charisma. It's the power of love. It's the power of caring, which is just monster. And my hat's off. My hat's off. Thank you. Yeah, it's great.
1: Th- that particular thing that you said about it's honorable work, it's life critical work. I don't. This is the thing that I want to say to administrators and to parents, to people who run schools and they think about what we should be doing in schools. When this you, ha- yeah, yes, and when you help that one child in a moment where they need it the most, first of all, you help that kid. That's the number one thing you change the trajectory of their life or you could change Mm -hmm. them that one child thinking about the thousands and thousands of people they impact yeah and how if you make their day better if you make their experience better every negative thing that if they're going down a different path that gets put on every so it's first most importantly for that kid but then think about the impact that kid has And if you make their impact more positive, how that thinking about ripple effects that can help your school, help our communities and help everyone.
0: Yeah. Thank you.
1: Thank you. This has been fun. Very fun. Yeah.
0: All right. Thanks, man. Don't you wish you had Matt as a high school teacher? I was fortunate enough to have had two. Matt and his student colleagues build bleeders, create belonging, and promote equity through mindful hosting and inclusion. Not too shabby. Perhaps this humanness might prevent some angst from spiraling into mental illness or aid those recovering. I needed this dose of hope and inspiration. <sighs> now for a nugget from the mine Perhaps of interest to you, I started following Jonathan Haidt, a social psychologist at New York University's School of Business. He has been studying the contributions of social media to the decline of teen mental health, especially teenage women. Read his Atlantic article, The Dangerous Experiment on Teen Girls. So, what's next? Well, next I'll create an episode from my trip to Costa Rica, a nation that welcomes people with disabilities. Then we'll return to our series with a chat with Dr. Bonnie Engelbart, a primary care physician. Here's a clip.
2: Certainly as a family doctor, a lot of the care that we provide is around mental health and And for depression and anxiety, those are definitely conditions that I would be managing. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't refer out, certainly not as an initial step. I think the times when I would refer out would be if I've prescribed a medicine and I've been adjusting medicines and trying different things and the things that I'm trying are not working. Mm Um. Obviously, if someone is suicidal, I'm going to be sending them to the hospital. For people with really severe depressive symptoms, I often will try to refer, but the reality is that there aren't adequate resources. And so, even with people who have pretty significant illness, I'm often the one that's carrying that care for months before they can access mental health care. For things that are a little more complex, like bipolar or schizophrenia, schizoaffective, something like that, we do have what are called e-consults. And so I can take a history, do my best job to, to ask all the appropriate questions and then share that chart with a psychiatrist electronically, Mm. they'll review the history that I've collected. And within a week, they'll get back to me with recommendations about medications.
0: I host, write, engineer, and produce Health Hats, the podcast. Kayla Nelson provides website and social media consultation and manages dissemination. Joey Van Leeuwen supplies musical support, especially for the podcast, intro, and outro. I play Barry Sachs on some episodes alone or with the Lechuga Fresca Latin Band. I'm grateful to you who have the most critical roles as listeners, readers, and watchers. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com and my YouTube channel, D-V-A-N-L-E-E-U. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. See you around the block.